Today's episode of Straight from the Source with Michael Russo is brought to you by Game Time. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think Minnesota Wild tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download Game Time in the App Store or Google Play, work that clock to your advantage and score some last-minute tickets. Late night Midnight on the interstate Are we on, Carter? Are we here? Is this, yep. is this hanging on? on? We're on. So, yep. uh, this is Straight from the Source with Michael Russo, just uh, professional as always. Uh, Ryan Carter and I have been here in the studio on a Monday uh, at Trier Rink just prepping for the show for hours now. Um, and uh, we got wires everywhere and we're ready. Uh, again, Straight from the Source with Michael Russo. It's my third podcast, but uh, bound to be one of my favorites because I get to interview people like Ryan Carter and if you haven't subscribed to the athletic, uh, theathletic.com slash straight from the source will get you in for two ninety nine a month. Are you can can I see your uh, evidence that you're a subscriber, Ryan? I've got the app right here. Should nice, I open it for you? nice. <laughs> Actually, one of my favorite stories, and it was funny because uh, one of the first things I did when I woke up this morning is I read the story that I wrote on you last November to just kind of refresh myself about some of the things that you're doing. And if you don't know Ryan right now, obviously played for the Wild. Uh, for over 100 games, uh, played many years in the NHL, won a, won a Stanley Cup. I think you were a hero on that Anaheim team uh, that won a Stanley Cup back in 03. Yeah, well, not the 03 oh, team. 07. 07 team, yeah. yeah. But the Wild did uh... – I think Anaheim did beat the Wild in all three, too, though, but <laughs> I was not part of that one. Yeah, and and obviously a little tongue-in-cheek of being the hero yeah. for that team. <laughs> for sure. For sure I was the hero. That's what I always say. Gosh, they wouldn't have won it without me. But, uh, no, that was a lot of fun. Uh, it, it was great. Anaheim was awesome. Uh, it was good to finish the career here, too. But um, now I look back and see that Anaheim caused a lot of pain for this organization, both <laughs> in 2003 and seven. Yeah. Now, you um, – your title with the Minnesota Wild is what? Yeah, you know, gosh, that, that, that's funny. So I, I'm done playing, and I've got to get back to real work. And people are like, well, what, what should the title be? And I was like, I couldn't care less. I don't know what the title means. Forward? I don't know. You know, like it doesn't matter. But so um, the title is media advisor. Um, <laughs> the irony is uh, I don't know that I advise anybody. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, it's good. It's, it's evolved. I got that right off the bat last year. And Media advisor. I bet, yeah. First of all, I bet when you were playing, that, that was your dream to one day be the media advisor <laughs> right? of the Minnesota Wild. <laughs> it said nobody ever. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, it's been fun. It's good. Uh, I think – it's evolved uh, the title um you know it's it's kind of it's kind of weird in that I didn't know what I'd be in media I thought right. last year was more just a digital thing and then it's kind of evolved to where it is my my role is more you know all encompassing of media I do a little bit of broadcast I do some mm-hmm. of the social stuff and um, so the title, maybe I'm working my way into the title a little bit more. Yeah, and Mr. Everything. I mean, uh, you know, if you, if you haven't uh, paid attention yet to the preseason and opening night the other night, or, or at least Fox Sports North's opening night the other night in Denver, is that, Ryan, you're going to see him a lot more this year on, on your television. Last year you did some pre and post. You were a lot of times on Wild.com for some really funny interviews and funny skits, basically with players and things like that. But now you're going to be doing color analysts. And, 
you know, I know during the Iowa playoffs last year, you almost did a little auditioning or a little rehearsing or trying out or things, whatever you want to describe it. Um, and now all of a sudden you're in this position where you're going to actually be on the air. Uh, first of all, how was your first broadcast the other day? And, and do you think it'll take a little while to kind of get your voice? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's no question that it'll take a while. Um, you're right. You mentioned uh, last year there was um, maybe an opportunity like this to to be the analyst was going to pop up, and uh, I really had no experience doing mm-hmm. it. And I thought, well, maybe before I say yay or nay, or I, maybe I should try to get some experience doing it mm-hmm. in some capacity. And the Iowa Wild were still playing, so I had a chance to run down there and jump on the air with uh, Joe Joe O'Donnell, who's fantastic. And it was good. It was fun. Um, and I spent the summer trying to figure out how to do this. And Saturday I realized it's kind of baptism by fire. You don't yeah. know, you jump into it. It, uh, it was, it was challenging. It was fun. Um, yeah, it, it's kind of neat to, again, to your point earlier, uh, I never once while I was playing thought, man, I really want to be a color analyst, right. but the opportunity came up and it, it's been fun and it's good, but Certainly, it'll take a little while before uh, before I'm comfortable there. And if you don't know, and I'm going to write about it more this week, what the Wild are doing uh, this year in Fox Sports North is they're going to have a, a sort of a rotation, very similar to the, what they do with the Twins, where they have three or four different color analysts working with Dick Bramer. Here, Anthony LaPanta will be the full-time play-by-play guy for Fox Sports North, but it's going to be mostly Ryan Carter and Wes Walls. Um, but then every now and then, I think Lou Nanny, anybody else uh, on the TV side? I think Lou Nanny and Mike Greenlay perhaps. Will oh, do yeah, some Mike, games and too. Mike Greenlay, obviously. Yep. Um, and then he's going to also, Mike is going to do a lot more pre and post, um, and there's going to be a rotation there. And then Bob Kurtz is starting to kind of weed down here uh, his career, and he is going to have uh, guest fill ins for him at times this year. LaPanta is going to do one game, Paul Allen from the fan, uh, Joe O'Donnell, Kevin Falness, um, people like that. Um, so, so I think the Wild are trying to spice things up. We're going to see with Game Ops as well on, on opening night. Um, you all of a sudden put your earpiece in. You had some preseason games the other day, but it's very different, right? When you're all of a sudden the lights are on, you know everybody's watching, you got the earpiece in, and you've got to sit there and, and call a game with Anthony. Yeah, and from 30,000 feet, it seems like it's not that hard. Hey, yeah. listen, I just talk about what I know best, and that's hockey. But it's really not that way. There's structure to it. There's nuts and bolts, and... Uh, to figure all of that stuff out and working with producers and then Anthony who's and Anthony's great. It pains me to sit here and, and pump his tire, but yeah. he's uh he's good at what he does and he's very helpful. He'll be very good for me in transitioning and getting comfortable up there too. You know, there's there's certain time you have to talk during the broadcast and he's really good at filling air and, and making things blend and um th- it's nice that I've got that little safety blanket of Anthony and all his experience. So he's great. Um but, you know, it'll be new, and, and to your point, too, about how the Wild are, they, they've got a rotation. I, I think it's a good thing because, it, for me, it'll it'll be a chance where I can mm-hmm. I can do a couple games and then I can sit back, take a breath, read, you know, how did that go? Could I be better? What can I be better? And um, I think, you know, part of the idea behind this is we looked at this market, the Minnesota market, and the Twins tried it, and a lot of people liked the voices, the different voices mm-hmm. coming from the Twins. You get we kind of get to hear and see the game through a couple different people's eyes. And I think that could be advantageous. And, you know, I'm interested to see how that, how that goes. From a TV production standpoint, I mean, you know, hockey, you're going to be, be able to bring nuances to the, to that, that a lot of people can. I mean, you know, Mike Greenlight from a goalie perspective, great, great, great insight when he's on there. Wes Walls from a 
defensive forward from taking draws. I mean, he he brings that. You were outstanding penalty killer, hard nose, f- drop the gloves. Um, so you'll be able to bring that. But what you're learning mostly from for, from the beginning, though, is from a TV standpoint, it's very different when you have guys in your ear, when you're sitting there. I, I overheard you talking today about, you know, all right, now do I look at the monitor when I'm doing a replay or not? I mean, this is the stuff that you're going to have to learn on the fly, which is not easy. Yeah, and – like I said, the game is 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 what I know the best. But the structure of how the TV works, when you know when to get in, somebody's talking to you, the point you need to make, communicate with them. Like, hey, I saw this play. Can can we pull this up at the next whistle? And I spent the summer trying to read books and figure out how <laughs> how to how to do this, and really kind of I tried to make you know things so where when I when I started this year that I was comfortable and ready to go, and I kind of had systems in place where I could just implement them. It's different. Football, yeah. a lot of the books that are written that I read were based on football, and it's very different because football is more of a static sport where there's action for 30 seconds, and then you have 45 seconds to analyze it. Mm-hmm. Hockey's much different. It moves so fast that you, you don't have a lot of time other than a face-off here and there to really dive in to try to explain something. So there's a different skill set, so now I've got to find ways to try to make a point and have mm-hmm. it stand out and really – in the fewest words possible because something's coming yeah. pretty quick in hockey. So um, it's it's different. Uh, it, I've never really watched a game that way or thought about playing or communicating a game in that way. So um, it uh, it's it's certainly going to take time to adjust to. Has Stroh messed with you in your ear yet? <laughs> no, I you know uh, John Stroh, the producer, uh, he he has not messed with me. Uh, but he will yeah when you get more comfortable. He'll mess with me. Yeah, right now I think what he's trying to do is is he'll joke around with me uh-huh. a little bit to try to get me to yeah. relax. And um, th- and that's part of the experience of playing. I-, I played for so long, and for coaches that you start to understand what people are trying to do, and you analyze, I, at least I always did, you try to analyze, what are they trying to do by sending these messages? Like, mm-hmm. why is this coach doing this? What does he want from me? Why did he send this message at practice? And you start to try to think of it on what they're trying to do. So it's good. He, he jokes around with me. He strode jokes around me. I think, okay, he's trying to get me to relax. I must be a little uptight, so I'll try to relax. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what he's really good at. So John, so Peter Anderson is is the pre- and post-game show producer. John Stroh produces the actual telecast, but there's times where John's in your ear uh, during the game. And I, I still remember one of my first games that I was on Fox Sports North with Anthony. Um, it was We were in Arizona, and um, on the way to the rink, um, I'm looking at Jared Spurgeon, and he looks sick as crap. And um, it turns out that they're, that he's he isn't going to play that night. Um, and this is on the way to the game. He's not going to play that night, but we don't know what it is. You know, it looked to me like to be a stomach bug, but the mumps was going around the team too. Ooh. So they had to play a, a player, a defenseman short that night. And we're coming on the pregame show, warm-up start, and we see that Jared's indeed not out there. So I put my earpiece in to go on Wild Live, and Stroh goes, hey, we haven't uh, given the news to the listeners, to the viewers yet, that that Spurgeon isn't playing. Could you, before you go into your shtick with Anthony, just give the news, hey, Jared Spurgeon's not playing, the mumps is going around the team, could be the mumps. And I'm like, all right, uh, I don't think it's the mumps, but uh, could be the mumps, all right, whatever. So, Anthony, you know, welcome back to Wild Live, joined by Michael Russo. Um, you know, first of all, big lineup change for the Wild. And I'm like, yeah, you know, the Wild, uh, Jared Spurgeon's sick, um, not going to play. They're going to play with 5D tonight. And all of a sudden, to remind me in my ear, Stroh goes mumps. So I, <laughs> on the air, go, in the middle of my sentence, I go, mumps. 
And then I'm like, deer in headlights look. And then I go, could be the mumps. Like that. And I just, I mean, everybody, I hear people laughing in my ear. So we go, do the thing. Anthony asked my first question. Anthony asked the second question. Third question, you know, Stroh in my ear goes 15 seconds. And then the entire time as I'm wrapping up, he's like, mumps, 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 in my ear to tr- just to see if I would do it again on the air. Yeah. And I just thought that was hilarious that the, the producer was like intentionally trying to screw me up at the end there. Oh, yeah. No, so. that's that's great. And Stroh's, gosh, I had my first moment like that too Saturday night. Uh, I was trying to dis- describe a replay and then a different replay popped up and he told me in my ear and it was like everything went blank <laughs> i was like wait which what yeah. huh. <laughs> the other thing i did once on the air too is that like it was the pregame show and peter was in my ear so pre- peter would be in my ear at home but i think on the road it's stro from from when i'm on my segments and uh and peter goes to me like 10 to tell me like hey wrap up 10 seconds and i actually said on the air 10 yeah yeah, <laughs> you know, like, yeah so you gave the time it's it's hard like people when you're watching tv when you're watching sportscasters and things like that you don't realize you know they got the inner ear monitor in their ear and they're being talked to constantly right and it's it's difficult to like hear what they're saying but not let the listener know that you're being talked to. It's right. very, very aw- awkward. Yeah, it's different, and it certainly takes time. Last year, pre and post, you know, I did a handful, and it took me probably till the very end to get to a spot where they could say, "Okay, look at the single camera now yeah. in the middle of your thought," because you're trying to you're trying to make a sentence, land a plane, middle of your thought. They're going to switch to just you on a single camera, yep. so you got to switch where you're looking. They yep. tell you, and to just be able to do that seamlessly, yeah, it seems easy, but it's challenging. You know, especially live TV, you want to sound and finish what you're saying. But it's, uh, one of my first times with Jamie Hirsch, it was her first day, actually. Excuse me, on the air, we're wearing those Madonna microphones on the studio uh, desk, and you know they put that thing on you right before you go on, and it, it, there's no give. Those things, if you move the wrong way, it's gonna fly right off your head. <laughs> so. One of the sound guys puts this thing on and it is tight and I don't feel I feel like it is not on like exactly tight. So I'm on the I'm on the (laughs) desk and this is behind uh, the lower bowl center ice. okay? and it's my first time ever working with Jamie. And um, and all of a sudden, as I'm as I'm like talking to her, I, I feel it on the air slipping off my head and I'm trying not to move. And all of a sudden, boom, the thing's gone. And this is this is your microphone. Right. Not only just the way you listen, it's your microphone. And all of a sudden, I am I'm I'm now realize that I have no mic on and I'm not on camera right now. So I take my chair and I slide it right next to Jamie. And now I'm like trying to like essentially yell in her microphone. And she's looking at me like, what the hell is going on? And then she looks at my head, sees I don't have the thing on anymore. And then she like has a look of panic because she realizes that I have no mic. And it was it was it was hilarious. And luckily, it was the third question. So we get off the air and I get a text from my brother who's watching Atlanta. He goes, hey, a great segment. But you might want to tell them that you're not loud enough or something like that. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, it's because I had no mic on when it happened. So all those if that blooper reel exists, it'd be absolutely embarrassing because the absolute panic that happened between Jamie Hirsch and me on the air. Yeah, and I'm nervous about that too because I'm gonna be a I'm gonna be a blooper reel producer like you <laughs> won't believe. But you know it's it's okay. That'll be fun. Now one of the cool things that the reason why the Wild did this is that you know you were a, a player that kept things loose in the locker room. I mean you were you were you you could I see you with players too. You talk smack with the best best of them still. Um, 
you, so again, I know that you said that you didn't ever envision being media, but that was what you loved a lot about the game too, is kind of being that funny guy that could kind of keep a room loose, right? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I enjoy humor and having a good time. I'd much rather just go back and forth banter than have, you know, a meaningful conversation. <laughs> but um, yeah, and I miss that. And going back to it, like it, this this job and this opportunity, I can't say no because I love being around hockey. I mm-hmm. love the people around hockey. And, you know, everybody, you know, I shouldn't say everybody, but my mother would say like, hey, you're going to be great at this. Uh, you know, you could <laughs> talk, you know, but um yeah it, and it's different but but it's fun to be around the guys it's 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 fun to give them a hard time now at the same time i played with some of these guys so there's still maybe some chemistry there because we've been in mm-hmm. the same locker room together um you know if when when that changes and there's all of a sudden a locker room that i haven't i haven't played with anybody maybe that's a little bit different maybe i mature a little bit but um right now I'm, I'm certainly having fun rolling with it now on the other hand does that also make it awkward because now you're analyzing the players that you are genuinely buddies with i mean you you played with jason zucker you played with miko koivu you played with alex Stalock, you know the, you play with doobie um does that sometimes become you know hey i'm talking about my buddy here and i'm critiquing him yeah, so, it, boy, that can go one of two ways. I can go down the locker room. I can tell those guys straight up, hey, you have to be better because I'm up there in the booth. <laughs> like, <laughs> you guys think I got to say it. Be better. Um, but it, it, it is nerve-wracking. I think at the end of the day, um, you know, I want to be positive and the friendships matter to me more than maybe mm-hmm. a job, so I'll probably err on the side of caution. But um, I think the, the friendships will be tested too. You know, it's not like, it's not like I, I'm going to go on there and be – critical or really harsh of anybody you know it's 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 not really in my nature to be mean or or something like that but um if somebody makes a bad play and i have to point it out um is that going to offend them maybe but i think you know we'll see or i'll have a chance to see how these my my friendships and relationships because we're all the way i saw it when i played is i was a professional too yeah if somebody thought i didn't play that well there's probably some merit to it. Like Stefan mm-hmm. Stefan Diggs says, there's truth in all rumors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. But, but <laughs> if somebody thought I didn't play bad, I probably made a poor play. Yeah. You know, and I need to look in a mirror before I before I say, hey, that person's wrong. Um, but uh, I think that, you know, at least my friends, I'll be able to go up to them and say, hey, yeah. listen, I was, was I had to be critical of you last night. I'm sorry. Um, and hopefully they'll understand that. You know, I'm just trying to do a job the best that I can. When you watch video as a player in the locker room, do you hear the announcing, or do they usually mute that stuff out? Like when you when they pull you in for that type of stuff. Um, are you talking like in between like, periods? Or no, something? I'm talking like like on a day like today. Like you come up to practice, and now they show you clips of the game in Denver. Yeah, no, you, they, they wouldn't have. Okay, any. yeah. So the, really, the <laughs> only good. way that they could find out is if they rewatched the game or somebody told them, right? Which no friend or family member would ever do. Yeah. Well, right. Ryan Carter was just ripping on you. Right, razzing you. Yeah. I think that's probably the likely scenario. Yes. Is that it'll be somebody watching the broadcast say, yeah. "Hey, he was really harsh on you in that play," and then then they go back and watch and listen. Yeah. Um, Mike Yo used to go back and look at my tweets, and I, one day he called me. They, it was the second of back to back. He calls me into the United Center coach's office. And he pulls out this tweet that I wrote about the power play, and he shows it to me, and he looks at me, he goes, "Ouch!" And I just look at him to and to like diffuse the situation. Go, when did you learn to screen capture? (laughs) So so, uh, that's that's the other thing. Or you could just like get in like the other night after the game. I'll tell you one person that won't be very tolerant of you ripping on him, and that's Miko. 
Yeah. Like the after the game the other night, like game two, he and I got into it. Really? Yeah. To the point that I sent him a text after, like, I, I was so upset in the press box. I'm like, you know what? I got to send this guy a text. Right. You know, like, like, I respect that he hates to lose, but sometimes it's like, dude, just answer the questions, man. You yeah. Know? No, and I agree. And that, that's a, that's a side to the media that I hadn't seen in the past. Yeah. Cause I mean, I, I never had a relationship with any of the members. You know, Tom Tom Galitti would co- he covered me in New Jersey and he's close, and you here and um, Eric Stevens in Anaheim. But I never had it to a spot where I would I would like say, "Hey, you shouldn't have said something like right. that." So I don't get it. But now that I'm on this side of it, it's like, "Ooh, geez, I'm a little nervous," you know. And but you're trying to do your job the best you can. And Wes Walls once called me over when he was playing, and he goes, "He roos." I'm like, "Yeah." He goes, "Do you watch the games?" <laughs> and I look at him and I go, "Not the third period." And he looked at me like I was from outer space. And then, like, years later when he was retiring, he was in the press box all the time, and he would watch me work. He goes, now I know what you meant. Yeah, yeah. You don't watch the third periods because in the third periods when you're a beat writer for a newspaper, that's when you're writing. Yeah. So, like, stuff happens, and you miss it, and you just, you know, you're pretending like you saw it, but but it's uh, it's, you know, it gets pretty difficult. So let me ask you this. Let's say in that scenario you had a player that had – a bad first two periods, mm-hmm. and you mentioned that. Do you sit there and try to watch the third for something no, good I mean, and then I, say? That's one reason why I, I always, to this day, watch every single game again, uh, just because there's so much that you miss. Even in my new role where you're not technically on deadline, you're still tweeting and you're missing things and right. and things like that. So I, I try not to sit there and say a guy played like crap, but I'll try to, if, if he messed up in a game, just talk about that specific incident. Right. So, like, you know, the, the winning goal the other night in Denver, you know, I tried to watch that a gazillion times to just figure out where that, that sort out just got all screwed up on the retreat. And right. it just, it was, there was a lot of moving parts on that shift. You have Zuccarello and Graves collide in the middle of the slot. You have Donato kind of like on the back check, not knowing exactly where he should go. You have Stahl kind of slow on the back check. It was just a total mess. I don't think it was one guy, but all of a sudden it just happened so fast. Right. You know, yeah. which is where I think that you probably are great to try to explain, like, here's what happened. Right. Yeah. And, but that, that's the, that's the other part too that's challenging with it because, because maybe you understand. Mm-hmm. Like, it, a lot of people look at the goal and see, like, maybe, maybe Bros didn't do a good enough job. In, in this scenario, there's no video, but Brodeen had to take a two on one between Ratnan and Landeskog right yeah. at the net. And a lot of people think that the, the last mistake was the one that resulted in the goal. Yeah. Maybe it was, maybe it was two mistakes before that. Yep. That really is the reason. So you got to call a guy out yep. that maybe it wouldn't have, it never would have yep. come to light. But now you've you've got to illustrate like this actually isn't on Broads. It's on somebody else for for missing their responsibility. Yeah. Fifteen. Well, seconds and you ago. see it on that goal. Like you know, like the one I the one that I felt bad for was Spurgeon because he recognized right away like holy crap, we have a misread here. And then he's trying to figure out all right, what's the le- what's the thing that I should do the most to try to eliminate this. And so he steps up on the winger that winds up not getting the puck essentially. And then now all of a sudden, Landeskog's alone at the at the back door. And it was because it just to me what it showed is that how hockey it's like everybody better do their job or or it could mess up everything. You know? Yeah, and and that's the real answer. Everybody has a job and a responsibility, and if you mm-hmm. do it, um, you'll be okay. And the, the other side of it is you get a, you get out there like you get out there against guys like Ranton and Landis Scott mm-hmm. McKinnon, and you can't make those mistakes because they are the types of guys that will make you pay for it. And it's yep. crazy. The Wild did such a good job shutting those guys down, and they let 
Rantanen's line go east to west inside the blue line once it's in the back of their net. Yeah, amazing. You know, it's, it's crazy. Those yeah. guys are that good. Yeah. And the NHL's One that bad good. shift against the best line, and it costs them the game. Yep. One bad read, yeah. one bad play. You're trying hard. I, I mean, that's what's crazy about it. Yeah. But that line stung you. They did such a great job for yeah. 50 minutes. Boom, all of a sudden. That's where Miko and I got into it. He's like, I said, I basically said that to him, and he goes, "There's not just one bad shift; it's a game full of shifts." I'm like, "All right, dude, chill out." Yeah, anyway, yeah. Uh, we're t- this is straight from the source with Michael Russo. First, uh, second ever podcast on the Athletic app that I'm doing. Bruce Boudreaux was my debut premiere episode, and uh, Ryan Carter is my uh, next guest. Uh, he is um, part time, uh, you know, rotating wild color analyst, wild.com, Mister Everything, uh, uh, part time giffer. Yeah, I bet you. I bet you knew that when you were playing that you were going to learn how to make gifts. No, that's crazy. Yeah. I know. Gosh, I know so much stuff that I never knew or I never know. thought I'd know. But um, that's another thing about having that wearing a couple different hats is some. I, I like doing some of that stuff and trying to be funny. Yeah, you know. And but I've got a fo- like. Let's say I'm doing the game. I did the game Saturday. I, I don't have time to gif or do that stuff. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so like, I, I missed it because that was the best part of like your last role when you weren't on TV is that like, oh, that's a great gift. Yeah. Because you would see stuff yeah. and point it out. Now you don't have time. Right. And, so. I, and I'd like to be consistent and, yeah. and do that stuff con, you know, on a, on a regular basis. Yeah. But my role changes literally from day. Yeah. It seems like day to day what, yeah. what I need to do. But just um, kind of fun. I mean, to me, it's like if I was just like this is my 25th year covering the NHL. If I just was every day showing up to practice and writing a freaking practice line story, or, oh, here are the lines today, here's this guy's hurt, I, I would have been out of this business long ago, but now you got the multimedia, the podcast, the TV, the radio. It's every day there's something different, so I'm sure every day you show up, and um, uh, you know, at least it's, it makes it fun. Yeah. Or, you know, where you're not doing the same thing every day. It, yeah, it makes it fun. It makes it challenging, too, because yeah. all of a sudden, you know, being new at everything, I'd like to practice everything until yeah. I was comfortable with it, and I, I had some confidence doing yeah. doing it but um yeah i remember when walls and darby hendrickson would just start on fox sports north it was rough yeah. it takes a while it's gonna be yeah. rough yeah so i mean but that's the thing like you it's kind of like when i look back at my old articles when i was 15 working for the Boca news and the sun Sentinel. i'm like i cannot believe i made it yeah, you know? yeah. And, and, but but that's the thing it's like you just got to be patient and it's gonna you, you'll find your voice and all of a sudden you know you'll you'll be like really comfortable doing it yeah, and, and it's, I'm sure it's like hockey where it's where it's second nature. Then it's easy. You know? That's the goal is that it, it it gets to be like hockey at some point yeah. where you're prepared. You know everything. Yeah. You've got a you've got a system. You got a process. You go out there and execute. But yeah, there, there's no question. It's it's going to be painful. Yeah. Hockey. When I'm like Saturday, I didn't feel great about it, mm-hmm. and I had to fall back on hockey experience because it was like, hey, uh, listen. You're never going to please everybody, just like when you were playing, you know, and people are going to be critical of you and they're going to voice their opinion, just like when you were playing. Yep. And how are you going to let it affect you? You're going to let those comments bring you down and make you not as good yeah. or, you know, how do you handle it? Yeah. And the good thing is hockey, it, it thickened my skin to the point where I think that helps me for the broadcast role too, because I'm going to make mistakes. I know that yeah. for sure. Yeah. And, you know, whether I emphasize them or, you know, get better from them. That's a choice that I make, and hockey's prepared me. And that is the hardest part of doing TV is that it's instant reaction from the Twittersphere. So they, if they don't like something you say or whatever, they're going to come after you. You just got to figure out to ignore it or don't look at it. Yeah. Um, last subject on this thing, we, we talked about how, you know, your relationship with players. The one thing, and I don't know if this is something you've done consciously or you were told this, but 
But uh, it is I mean, professionally on the road. You are keeping a distance from the players. I mean, you hang out with the the media, the traveling media party, the PR people. Um, is that something that you're doing consciously to to just show a separation that you you can't be the, their buddies anymore? Uh, because that's the one thing. It's like you kind of you know figure that hey, on the road you might go to dinner with Miko Koivu or you might go to dinner with Alex Daylock, your buddy or Parisi. Right. But you, it seems like you're trying to keep that distance. Yeah, for for uh, for a few reasons. I've seen it in the past, and um, I'm not I'm not saying that I'm going out there and putting the guys in spots where they're going to be in trouble. But there's uh, they're the most important pieces to the puzzle here, and you don't ever I don't ever want to put myself in a spot where I maybe have some type of influence on them not having the best game or being in you know the best shape or whatever it is for themselves. So I try to remove myself from that situation. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and it's, it is weird cause these guys are my friends. It's just a couple friends going out to dinner, but optically maybe it's a little yeah. bit different. It looks different. Like, why is he with him? He shouldn't be, he's mm-hmm. not a player. So there's kind there of fraternization t- or whatever. Yeah. And there are times where, where it, it is a little weird and I need to, for myself too, I, I was a player for so long. That's the, that's the mindset I was in. I have to say to myself sometimes too, you're not a player anymore. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't belong there. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's a team function. You're not part mm-hmm. of that team. And though you're they're your friends and they want you to be there and they'd like they'd enjoy to have a good you know, good time with you, but um it's not for me. Right. And so I think it's just best to do both of those and then on the other side of that, it's very valuable for me to spend time on the road with these guys and go out to dinner with the PR guys and the TV guys and everybody to build relationships. Mm-hmm. Cause at some point then like John Stroll, the producer or some of the other guys in the truck, um, I can communicate some struggles I have with them and maybe that yeah. helps me be a better broadcaster at some point. So if I don't take advantage of those op- opportunities and the time to spend with them, you know, maybe I don't, I don't become as good and the team isn't as strong. You know, on a broadcast standpoint, the other thing that's interesting is that I even feel because, you know, I talk to a lot of these guys casually. I'll text back and forth with players. A lot of times also you got to remember what's off the record. Like if you go out to <laughs> yeah. dinner yeah. with them and you're hearing about stuff, you know, you could accidentally even if it's not anything at all uh, bad. Right. You know, you got to almost got to. Well, that was told to me on dinner and now I just said it on the air. And it's just kind of the same thing with me. It's like, you know, you sit there and you talk to these players or the GM privately. And next thing you know, you're doing 15 radio shows and three podcasts. And then you accidentally say stuff that you that was not meant for the public airways. It's it's tough. Not only that, uh, it's different because let's say I ask them a question. And for me, it is just casual talk. I'm just I'm just curious, just talking hockey, you know, just like when we were teammates or when we played together or whatever. And they may be thinking, is he working right now? Yeah, or yeah. is he hanging right now? No, you're right. You know, and I, I have to, I have to remember that that's a situation. Yeah. They may be actually thinking that I'm working, that I'm trying to get information from yeah. them. And then I read that they're a little rigid and it's like, okay, this is weird. Yeah. He thinks I'm being professional. I'm not. And there's just differences. Yeah. And there's lines in the sand, and you've got to know where they're at. Yeah. It happened to me in the press box the other night. I was just shooting the breeze with Scout in the whole game. He's commenting on different players in the wild. And finally, during one of the emissions, he just came up to me, and he goes, hey, just so you know, that was all off the record. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I know <laughs> that. Sure. I know that. Sure. But it definitely gives me an idea of what, you know, that your team's not trading for that guy, that guy, that guy, that guy. Yeah. So- <laughs> But for, uh, but anyway, for sure, I, yeah. I've I've seen both sides of that too. Where uh, you know the the player has wondered, "Am I working? Like, am I yeah. trying to get some information from yeah. him on something?" And 
Um, it's 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 it funny watching you and Zucker. Yeah, because Zucker, you know, you know, Zucker, you were line mates with him his first yeah. year, right? Yeah. His first yeah. year, fourth line mates. Yeah, and um, and he clearly, I mean, you could just tell when you're on the air with him that you, you know, both even just by both your faces and the way you're grinning that you have that you guys, you know. Our buddies, right? And uh, it, and to me, but that to me makes it what's so fun about your, especially your Wild dot com videos, is that the personality with these guys, you could just tell that they're enjoying themselves much more than if, sorry, Dan Myers was interviewed. Yeah, and, and that's what's fun is is I can jump into the dot com stuff and have fun with them, mm-hmm. you know, and and it really is just me having fun. Yeah, and uh, I think. When you've played with guys and you have fun with them, they understand it and they yeah. understand they trust me. I think a little bit too, um, but that that's what makes this new role as the analyst challenging because now, you know, I've got to be critical at times. And is it going to be okay the next morning to go in there yeah. and, and try to be funny? Like, yep. you know, let's say Zucker has a he has a tough game and I and I say that, or it's just it's something I can't yep. avoid in the broadcast because I'll lose all credibility if I don't point yeah. some of this stuff out. And then the next morning, I have something that I need to come in for and and be lighthearted and fun. Um, that's tough. Yeah. But that's where I think it's okay that I said earlier that the friendships would be challenged. I could say to him, "Listen, uh, last night was work. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, today that's, is you know today's what? me being from my perspective me. too. I remember uh, you know not to give away trade secrets, but but Nick Schultz once he came up to me in the locker, or I went up to his stall to shoot the breeze with him, and he goes, he goes, I got to ask you, he goes. He goes, you and I are tight. He goes, you know, we shoot the breeze every single day. And yet in the paper today, you ripped me. And, you know, I, so like, you know, like, how do you, how do you like, kind of, not justify, but how do you, like, how do you do that? And I told him, I said, when I'm covering a game, like I, I, it's like almost like a mental block. I try not to think of them as, as the person that I, that yeah. I like and respect and all that stuff in the locker room, because otherwise I'm not doing my job for the reader. If if that guy turns the puck over for the game winning goal, I've got to write it, whether I think he's the greatest human being in the world or not. And so that's kind of like you almost like have to realize like tonight I'm working, but in the locker room the next day, you know, I'm we're just casual reporter and player that get along and like each other and respect each other. It's it's hard. Right. Yeah. And and I think we're talking about worst case scenarios and we, I try to prepare for them. But for the most part, these guys are pros. They're yeah. good players. They're going to play well. And there's going to be plenty of stuff that I can point out and talk about where they're going to be good and great at, mm-hmm. you know, and you, I'll do that. And um, the hope is that the wild were to go 82 and all or now 80 and two. And, uh, you know, none of these situations come up. Only keep you for a couple more minutes. Uh, this is straight from the source with Michael Russo. My guest is Ryan Carter. If you haven't subscribed to The Athletic and you're listening to this on the Apple podcast, you're only getting an abbreviated version. You're also not getting bonus uh, coverage, extras, things like that. The full uh, uh, podcast on every single one is on The Athletic app. So uh, theathletic.com slash straight from the source will get you in for two ninety nine a month. You have access to every single article, video, podcast across our site. Um, it is, we were talking just last point on this subject. Um, you know, just watching practice today, uh, you Gorg, uh, Dan Myers, myself, we're just shooting the breeze, having fun the entire time. That's another different, it's like you have different teammates now. Uh, listen, Dan, Dan Myers and Gorg, they are beauties. Um, <laughs> I mean, you gotta, you gotta kind of just deal with their, their just, their their nonsense, so right? The stuff they say, the fantasy football. I mean, that's got to be hard, right? Yeah, no. That, or is that the same thing in a locker room? You got to deal with the. That's where I get. That's where I get my locker room fix. Yeah. And 
I'll just, you know, and I, I do the same. It was, I think I was the same way when I played. I'd just be on the periphery of a conversation. Then I'll come in with a, a quick little needle and I'll needle Dan or something quick. And then he, he goes off on some 10 minute tangent and I'll just walk <laughs> off. And, and it, it, Dan's easy. It's like we all know the buttons to push. Yeah. It's, it's with all of us. They know what buttons to push on me. Yeah. It's not hard. Right. Uh, but, but it is. I mean, that's the funny, the fun part of the job yeah. is the stuff that is, it's sort of like our way of being in a locker room, the camaraderie, the crap talked about during right. dinner, the stuff in the, the press dining rooms before a game. Games, it's right. it's just ridiculous it's constant needling yeah it's, we are it's like we're the meanest that we could possibly be to each other in the best possible way because it's just fun yeah you know, get after them a little yeah. bit but i yeah. bet when you're at, at minnesota state mankato and dan myers was your beat writer <laughs> that you just said one day i can't wait to work with that guy <laughs> yeah. like, one day i can't wait to get away from him and then <laughs> here i am back with him yeah yeah no he was uh yeah we have a history obviously he loves the horns up uh, minnesota state that was uh it's kind of cool and, and good for him. You know, we both went separate paths, but we're here now, so that is kind of neat. Yeah. Um, there are plenty of days where I'm sure he doesn't want to work with me, but, um, you know, gosh, it's fun. It's nice seeing you guys do the pregame reports when you're the more <laughs> polished of the two. Yeah. The Just ra- kidding, Dan. I, I wanted to give him heat the other day, but I w- I've been in his shoes before now, yeah. you know, and it, it's challenging throwing yourself out there. So yeah. as much as I wanted to, you know, like you mentioned, John Stroh will, will distract you or throw you off and try to create a blooper or two. Um, I wanted to do that with Dan yeah. the other day, but um, I've, I've been in his shoes before. I couldn't um, do it. Just quickly, and again, I, I don't want to keep you forever, but I do want to ask about your, your growing up. I mean, you mentioned your mom talking about, you, you, you know, watching you on TV and things like that. And that's 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 the cool part of this too is that you know your mom and dad used to when you played for the Wild came to every single game it had to be just absolutely exciting for them now they're going to get to see you on TV they I'm sure they now suddenly have Twitter accounts where they can follow <laughs> you um, that's got to be kind of cool I'm sure you've got just tons of cousins I know your sister you know it's got to be awesome yeah I'm, I'm not. There may be something there that might be why I got this opportunity. My father comes from a family of eleven. My mom's got a big family as well, so maybe just family and friends alone, <laughs> the ratings will spike <laughs> when, I, when I get it. But uh, no, it's great. Lots of support. My, you know, we're a St. Paul family. Both my mother and father grew up in St. Paul. Yeah. My dad was a St. Paul police officer. I and Ramsey County, right? Yeah, I was so proud to get a chance to play here in St. Paul, and um, it's just it, it's continued. I'm just very fortunate. At, you know, now now I get a chance to continue to talk hockey at its highest level here in Minnesota. So it, it's awesome. The family's it's super supportive. Ironically, uh, um, my first game, I don't think any of my folks watched. My my mother and stepfather are out of town. Uh, my dad was likely out of town too. So no feedback yet. Really? On the first one, which is okay. Because uh, I have heard people say, you know, uh, that when you watch a broadcast over, you're your worst critic. It, it oh, was yeah. never as bad as you think it was. But then on the flip side, it was never as good as you think it was. Unless if you're Anthony, then he's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Both on the air and off, right? Yeah. After and before. Right. But they <laughs> say you have to watch. Um, and gosh, my, my mother would just tell me how great I was. And my dad would probably be like, well, you, mi- you messed up here. You could have been better there. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it, you know, that, that I kind of fun. envision you having to go like to Fox Sports North Studios, sit in a small room. You have Stroh sitting there. You have. You know, Mike Diamond sitting there, Tony Ferrici sitting there, and you just watching with them watching you. It's not like that. No, gosh, no! <laughs> thank goodness. It's it's more me in probably like this little phone booth watching, so <laughs> nobody else can listen. With a bunch of candy, so that I can comfort myself whenever I say something stupid. Just candy, okay, positive. That feels good. Tastes good. 
I think I'm a comfort eater, so that's what. The uh, you know, the one thing um, you're you're growing up in the sport is always fascinating me. I've written the story a couple a, a bunch of times, but you were a quarterback at White Bear Lake High School, and your it was your senior year. Your coach wanted you to quit hockey, right? And you're like, no, then I'll just quit football, and you did. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. stunk. Yeah, I just went to homecoming. White Bear Lake just had their homecoming. I was reminded of it. The setting was awesome. Um, still a little jaded to the fact that I that somebody else took that away from me, the mm-hmm. ability to do that and experience that. But it, those things motivated me to be a better mm-hmm. hockey player too. So I mean, should have. Was it just that but... you that you had more fun playing hockey? Like what? Because yeah. because the, from what I understand, you were a great football player too, right? I loved hockey and I played everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, hockey was. For whatever reason, I loved it. It's it's all I wanted to do, and it it kills me again. So that that coach in particular, my father was a football player. My dad's never skated. He's never played hockey. He mm-hmm. can't skate to this day. Um, I could tell you the story on my first hockey stick. He bought me a right-handed hockey stick because because <laughs> I, I wrote with my right hand. He thought uh-huh. like he just doesn't. He never knew hockey, and football was his game. Uh-huh. Well, it, that was the hardest conversation I ever had to have with my dad. Is, yeah. is, and, you know, I, I'm curious. I never asked him if, if he was going to – because nowadays it seems parents of kids will – they'll jump right into their kids' problems and try to fix it or tell a coach like they're doing something wrong. My folks are never that way. I'm curious how my dad feels. But that was the hardest conversation when I had to go home and I had to tell my dad, listen, I know you love mm-hmm. me playing football. I know you love watching that. I know that we have a relationship there because – we can talk about that and you can help me mm-hmm. and we both understand it. Um, but I, I can't play anymore. And that was a, that was a tough conversation. I didn't like that. Somebody else made me have to have that yeah. conversation. Yeah. I wonder, you know, deep down in your, from your father's perspective, if he's down in South Florida a couple of years ago for the father son trip. Yeah. I remember even seeing you hang out on the beach uh, at this like second story bar, having lunch. Yeah. If there's part of him that remembers like, oh, maybe this was the right move, you know, like, like I'm sitting with my son, a National Hockey League player, in his tenth year or whatever, down in South Florida right now. It's pretty yeah. cool. And I think it's a source of pride for him because there was lessons all along too. So my parents were divorced when I was eight years old, and um, we we don't get me wrong, we grew up, we were comfortable, we were happy, but there wasn't a lot of disposable income. Mm-hmm. Each each parent had their own house, and the expenses were fixed, and they ate up a lot of the money. So when I had to ask my folks for new gear. That was a weird dynamic yeah. too, and I'd have to ask my dad every once in a while. And I can remember he he gave me uh, he's like he made me commit. He goes, "Hockey's your game." He looks at me like that. He said, "Yeah, that's what I want to do." And he's like, "And you need these skates. They were skates. You need these skates to be good." I said, "Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. I think I do." And he's like, "Okay." He's like, I'll, "I'd never buy these for you, so I'm not going to the store with you." Here's a blank check. You go pick out your skates, get whatever you want. I don't want to know how much they are. <laughs> and then you're going to have to earn your next skates from here on out. Right. So that was, that was in high school. That's and awesome. That was the last pair of skates he ever bought me, but he made me choose. He made me uh-huh. decide in that moment, like, this is it. All right, fine. But this is all, this is how I'll commit to you. Uh-huh. If you look me in my eye, you tell me that. This well so did you, uh, did you ever, did you wear those skates your entire High school, or did you have to use your own money eventually to buy new skates, sticks, stuff like that? Nope, I never used my own money. So then I worked, 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 and I played junior hockey and junior they gave you skates. Yeah. And I could go on and on with stories. They 
the first skates I got were CCM, which I had never worn before, and then they, they hurt my foot, and I have a huge bunion on my foot now because I was too really? afraid to tell anybody. Yeah, I was so grateful of just having a new pair of skates that I would... Um, I wore these skates, even though they caused me pain and this huge bunion. I wore them and wore them and wore them uh, the entire year, 70 games, whatever it was. Wow. Now I got this huge bunion because I was, I was just grateful to have this those skates. This never went away. Yeah, was, but I was just grateful uh-huh. to have new skates and somebody bombed for me. I was like, yeah. it was crazy. Yeah. And then you go to Minnesota, uh, Mankato. You played with David Backus there, right? Jake Brank. Yeah, Jake referee. Brank. Yeah. 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 What's your best Jake Brank story? Well, I, I don't know, but Jake Brank. It's kind of funny. He was he was a a great hockey player, but his best asset was skating. Uh-huh. And you know he's huge too. And it's not easy to be a referee linesman. Like you have to have a certain body type, and you have to be able to skate. But um, <laughs> looking back at it now, if you were to ask me who would have made the best ref, it probably is Jake Brank. He's just a, such a fluid, phenomenal uh-huh. skater. He's big, big body. Um, but. Yeah, no, it was great. College was awesome. Playing with David was awesome. Jake Brink was, you know, he's he's a character too. So that yeah, was fun. Uh, not to scoop myself on this uh, podcast, but I'm doing a Jake Brink's feature this year, um, and the league never lets you do features on current refs, let alone first or second year refs like Jake Brink is. Well, why don't um, they let you? They just don't want media basically doing features on like the they're not the show. But I, I, you know, I have a lot of relationships with the NHL hierarchy and obviously Stephen Walcom and I sort of begged and I told him what I want to write and I'm just fascinated. You know, we have the state of hockey we have all these Minnesota hockey players and there's only one NHL linesman from Minnesota, Brian Mock. He's mm-hmm. done over a thousand games. Um, and then we have one NHL referee from Minnesota, Jake Brink, whose dad, by the way, is the mayor of Detroit Lakes. Yeah. Um, so to me, it's a fascinating feature, and so the league has let me do it. And so uh, whenever, uh, you know, I, will, I won't say who, when, but uh, when he does his first wild game, I'll do a feature on him before that. So. And that's cool. That uh, I think yeah. a lot of people don't understand that. Like the referees, yeah. it'll be interesting. The referees, they, they have their own combine, their own yeah. like boot camp. Like, yeah. <laughs> you have Air to try teammates. out. Yep. Yeah, you that's have to crazy. try out. Like, yeah. It's not just like, oh, he's a ref. Good for him. Yeah. It, it's a lot of yeah. work. Hey, thanks to Ryan Carter for joining this episode of Straight from the Source with Michael Russo, and thanks for listening. For the rest of this interview and all my extras and bonuses all year long, make sure you subscribe to The Athletic. Subscribe at theathletic.com slash straight from the source for $2.99 a month.